0: I wonder if anyone can um, remember what they were doing on the 26th of November. 25th of November, in fact. 25th of November this year. I hope none of you were as mad as some people who decided they would follow the crowds on Black Friday to the shops. I couldn't think of anything worse to do, uh, to go with everyone. But I wonder, why is there this massive rush to the shops on Black Friday? Everyone wants to secure a deal, don't they? And why do we want to secure a deal? It's because... Christmas is coming, and we love giving and receiving gifts. And one of the purposes of doing this is that we want one another to be happy. I would long that all of us are happy this Christmas. I long that all of us experience joy this Christmas. But I just want to spend a few moments tonight asking a really important question. Where, though, is a true lasting happiness and joy found? Because we'll all experience joy and happiness this Christmas in different ways, perhaps. But it doesn't always last, does it? Well, Black Friday, here are some of the things that people have been buying. These are sort of on the Amazon bestsellers for this Christmas. If you still need some ideas, here you go. Uh, The Apple Watch Series 2, very popular piece of equipment. Uh, This one here, the PlayStation VR. Some of the children are after this, some of the teenagers perhaps. I just think he looks like a giant wasp with that on, but there we go these have been very popular this year they're kind of Fitbit the fitness watches you wear these and it tells you how many steps you have or haven't done in the day it tells you how fit you are or how fit you should be lots of people are buying these now here's one um, the Fire TV Stick sold by Amazon this is the best seller for this year everyone's trying to get these uh, if you don't know what that is it basically plugs into your TV and it's a way of accessing all sorts of films and other bits of multimedia but if someone's asked you for one of these and you have no idea what they're, what they're on about just play Ignorant and get them some fire sticks instead (laughs) and here's one for the children the best seller for children this year is this thing here the Modulus Tri-Strike I'm told this is brilliant at knocking baubles off Christmas trees it's brilliant at shooting cats and it's very good at shooting mum while she's cooking Christmas dinner so there you go if you haven't got a Nerf gun like this some of you guys on the front row that's what you need to be asking for But we buy and we sell gifts, don't we? Because we want to be happy and we want to make other people happy. Well, The good news is, actually, we don't need to go very far to find out the root of happiness. Because earlier this year, I found an article in the Times newspaper which claimed that a mathematician had discovered the secret of happiness. slightly dubious, but there's this very long equation underneath. I'm not a mathematician. I don't understand much algebra. But I've looked at this for long enough to understand roughly what's going on in this equation, okay? So here we go. This guy reckons that happiness is the source of three things, or combination. It's what has happened in the past which made me happy. Remembering that, thinking about me today in the present, my mental state and how I'm doing today. And then looking into the future, what is it that could make me happy? And when you combine an experience in the past that's made me happy, how I'm doing today... And the thought of something in the future, that is the key for happiness. And in this equation, apparently, there's a very clever sort of thing going on where the future could be either trying to repeat something in the past that's made us happy or gamble that something different, a new experience, will make us happier. So I'll give you an example. Um, on Christmas Eve, my family are coming uh, to Stephanie and me, and uh, we're going to be cooking them Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve. Um, it's my job this year to cook. Now, I know in the past that if I cook a Christmas turkey with the roasties and the pigs in blankets and all that jazz, it's worked and they've been happy. We've been doing it for 30 plus years. So on that present day, on Christmas Eve, I'll probably cook um, a Christmas dinner. Uh, and I need to look into the future. What kind of Christmas dinner? Am I going to try and repeat something we've done in the past? that's always work that my family love, Or am I going to take a gamble to try something a bit different? This year is a bit of a gamble. We're going to have a go at cooking gammon in coca cola ah. And then glazing it in maple syrup and baking it. I've heard this is a really good thing to do. But according to this mathematician, what's gone on in the past that's made us happy? What could make us happy today? And then projecting into the future, trying to repeat something or gamble on something else that will make us happy is the source of happiness. So something to do with past, present and future. Now I'm not convinced by the equation on the screen behind me, but I want us to think a little bit about something which might be shared in that equation. This is a verse that we thought about particularly this morning. It's a verse we sing about in our carols at Christmas time. It's a verse that comes out every Christmas and I'm sure you'll know it. Where the angels announce the birth of Jesus and say, I give you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. And I hope that we begin to understand something of what this good news of great joy is. What I'd like to do, though, is take a step backwards and look at a different verse that in many ways is like a foundation for this verse. To help us understand why the angels said this. It's a slightly obscure verse. It comes at the very beginning of Matthew's gospel. Matthew was a tax collector. He became a friend of Jesus. He wrote an account of Jesus' life. And the very first verse says this. The genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And that verse, what follows is a series of other verses, and it's a bizarre passage. If you can't see on the screen, it's basically a long list of names charting the descendants of Jesus. And there's a whole list of unpronounceable names, all the guys in red. People who lived before Jesus to prove that he's a historical character who did live. But notice, as Matthew starts his gospel, he draws attention to two particular people. At the very beginning, you see the name Jesus, who we had read in verse 1. But there are two other names that particularly Matthew wants to draw attention to, and I put those two in yellow. One is Abraham, and one is David. Why, though, as Matthew puts this genealogy charting the history of, of Jesus, why does he draw attention to these two particular characters? Well, in the video, one of the lines that was sung was this. To this little town of no renown, speaking of Bethlehem, the Lord had a promise to keep. Now, whenever you learn or hear about this man, Abraham, in the Bible, always, always think promise. Why? Because right at the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 12, God made a promise and it came through this person, Abraham. And God promised to Abraham, you will be made into a great nation. You'll be a great people and I will give you a place to live and I will bless you. People, place and blessing. And then in chapter 15, God said to Abraham, let me explain a bit more. And he said to Abraham, look outside on a starry night. Look at all the stars in the sky. Abraham was in the desert. I was once in the Sahara desert. There's no light pollution. When you're in the middle of nowhere and you look up at the stars at night, you see the most incredible stars that you would never see in Britain. Everywhere. And God said to Abraham, guess what, Abraham? You're going to have as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. And then he looked down at the sand and he said, Abraham, you're going to have as many descendants as there are grains of sand beneath your feet. And every single day... When the moon came up, the sun went down, and Abraham looked up into the sky, he saw the stars, and he remembered the promise. And every day when Abraham walked around the desert and he felt the grains of sand in his sandals, he remembered the promise. But here's the thing, it was an extraordinary promise. Why? Because when God made that promise to Abraham, Abraham was 75 years old. And he had a wife who was barren and had given birth to no children And God says, you're going to have a great nation. You're going to have a huge family. And Abraham's thinking, I'm not so sure about that. I'm 75. And my wife's barren. But it says beautifully in chapter 15 of Genesis, but Abraham believed God. Abraham, living in a broken world without any hope, without experience, joy and happiness of wanting that family. And it's in that brokenness that God spoke a promise And Abraham believed the promise of God. And the amazing thing is the promise that God first made to Abraham would one day be fulfilled in one of the descendants of Abraham. Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham. So when God made a promise to Abraham, he was making a promise ultimately about one to come, a man called Jesus. There's a second line, though, in that song that we had in the video A mighty king would come, long-awaited ruler, God's anointed one. Well, what about David? David was a man whom God made a promise to in 2 Samuel chapter 7. That's a book in the Old Testament. And he said to David, David, your kingdom will endure forever. And David had a massive kingdom. There's a picture of David's kingdom. It extended all over the eastern border of the Mediterranean, Israel into Syria, south into Egypt, It is enormous I was in Jerusalem three months ago and this is a, a picture of David's city a long long time ago it was an awesome city David was an awesome king but David mucked up and you know the story where David is looking out over his kingdom and he sees a beautiful woman that's not his wife and he wants her for himself so he asks her into his kingdom and he sleeps with her He commits adultery with this woman who's not his wife and he has her husband killed. This great King David with this great kingdom, but he messed up. And that pattern is repeated all the way through the Bible. God raises up a king to rule his people and the king is good and does many good things and then fails spectacularly. But this king whom God made a promise to was pointing forward to a greater king. A king to come, Jesus Christ, the son of David. So every time in the Bible you hear the name Abraham, think promise. Every time you hear the name David, think king. And put the two together because their great descendant, Jesus Christ, was God's promised king. But here's a real important question. It's all very well hearing this stuff. The really important question is this. Why Jesus? Why is Jesus... The source of all happiness and joy a, a greater happiness than any of the things i had on the screen at the beginning could ever begin to give you and me why we'll go back to that funny mass equation i don't believe the equation is true but there's something in it think past think present think future what has god's promised king done for me in the past remember abraham god speaks a promise to abraham in the situation where he has no hope where he's experiencing no joy he makes a promise and that promise is fulfilled in Jesus and don't you and I live in a broken world today where there is so little hope and where we're all longing for happiness and joy and we so often don't experience it what has he done in the past God in the past has spoken a promise into the brokenness of the world and it's a promise of his king who would come to rescue a broken world What's God's promised king done in the present? Well, One of the great names for Jesus that we think about at Christmas time is Emmanuel, God with us. Here's the great truth of Christmas. God is so passionate about the people he's made that he's entered time and space to rescue you and to rescue me because he loves you. You and I weren't an accident You were created by God. The Bible says God knows every hair on your head. The Bible says that God knitted you together in your mother's womb. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. And what has God's promised king done in the present? He's entered into our world to show you just how much God loves you. That's an astonishing truth. Not loves everyone, loves you. That is amazing. And what is God's promised king going to do in the future? Or perhaps differently, where is God's promised king going to take us in the future? The amazing thing about that baby that was born in a manger 2,000 years ago is he was born for one purpose only, which was to come into the world and to die on a cross. Why? Because God was preparing a perfect future for his people. Remember he made a promise to Abraham, a great nation in a place and being blessed ultimately speaking, of a world to come, heaven. But that is a place of perfection. You and I can't be in a place of perfection because we're not perfect. But because God is so passionate about knowing us, rather than punishing us for all the wrong that we do, God has punished his only son who did nothing wrong, the the baby born in a stable, who came into this world to die because he wants you and I to be forgiven. And Jesus was punished so that we could be set free that is the glorious good news of great joy that is for all people and yet here's the most incredible truth and we celebrate this as Christians at Easter death did not hold Jesus because three days later what happened? he rose again and the single biggest symptom of living in a broken world death which will stare all of us in the face one day Jesus smashed to pieces when he rose again from the dead, giving you and giving me hope after we die, that we can be with God in the perfect world that he has made for us. As I close, just reflect on these pictures. It would be very easy for any one of us to receive these gifts if we were given them, wouldn't it? If I gave these gifts to you on the door, you'd receive them gladly. Why? Because you look at them and you think they're good gifts. And I want to receive them. Why then is it different with the Lord Jesus Christ, God's greatest gift to you and me? It's different because coming into the world, he tells you and me that we've got a problem. And we don't want to hear that we've got a problem. And he tells us that he is the only one who can fix our problem. And we don't want to be told that he can fix us. But if I went to the doctor and I was told that I had a dicky heart actually that's a gift isn't it that I'm told that because then they might be able to fix me and the Bible tells us that all of us have a heart that has gone wrong not necessarily a physical heart but a spiritual heart that doesn't love God but God's perfect son came into the world to fix that heart so that we can know God again a much harder gift to receive a gift of forgiveness but a much more wonderful gift than any of the gifts that will probably be under your Christmas tree this Christmas. And so as we look at that verse together, what in the world does all that mean? Think Abraham, promise. Think David, king. Jesus is God's promised king. And if you know him as your Lord and saviour, then suddenly Christmas takes on a whole new joy. And that is the joy that the angels were speaking of that first Christmas. I give you good news of great joy for all people. And that is news that we believe in this church is for all of us. If we receive the gift that God is holding out to us this Christmas. Why don't we just take a moment of quiet as we look at that verse on the screen. I'd love to lead us in a prayer. And this particular prayer is helping us to remember what God has done for us in Jesus. But also gives us a chance to reflect And ask that God would be close to those for whom Christmas is a difficult time. Uh, And if that's you, or if you know someone for whom that is true, then uh, let's pray this prayer together. I'll just give you a moment to reflect. God of the past, present and the future, we ask that you would encircle us in your love and care. And we pray this particularly for those that we love who are hurting this Christmas. For the housebound, we pray that you would keep them warm in heart and home and keep cold and loneliness at bay. For the homeless, we ask that you would give them shelter and hope and rescue them from despair and addiction. For those facing violence, we ask that you would affirm their worth and dignity and protect them from blows and shield them from scorn for those who are unwell and facing an uncertain future we pray that you would draw close to them and for those missing a loved one may memories be precious not morbid nor morose God of the past, present and future encircle in your love and care those whom we pray for this Christmas and Father we thank you That the very first Christmas you came into the world, you were that good news of great joy for all people. You were the promised king who rescues us from the brokenness of our world. You are the one who is the source of true happiness and joy. You are the one who has answer to the greatest need we all have, which is death. And we thank you for that great and glorious truth in the name of Jesus. Amen.